Action brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Derek. On this beautiful afternoon, we have a special show for our listeners. It, will, it is the, something we did not tease on our Tuesday show. Uh, this is the, uh, I guess, our quarterly or our uh, every three or four months now, but we'll say four time a year interview uh, with the mayor that we have today for you. That's going to be basically the meat of our show. Um, really looking forward to the listeners hearing what we've heard. Well, Derek, we didn't tease it because we didn't know. You sent a simple message to the mayor, "Hey, when can we interview you coming up?" And he jumped right on it. He was ready and to said, go. Hey, let's go. Uh, I'm ready to to do this. So got a chance to sit down with him for a, a good amount of time earlier, and so uh, that interview will be coming up pretty soon. Uh, one thing, Derek, we did talk about. We talked about infrastructure, parks, police, and then one thing we talked about a little bit was residential stuff he mentioned about annexation residential and uh i know residential things are important to our 2022 presenting sponsor the number one real estate team in desoto county thank you so much brian and terry for continuing to sponsor and work with us here at the utw podcast of course i'm speaking of team couch of birch realty group again the number one top producing team in desoto county when it comes to residential real estate Brian and Terry possess over 65 years of combined real estate experience. They have thousands of closings since 2009 on the buying and selling side of residential real estate. They are ranked nationally as a top performing real estate team and were recently voted DeSoto's best for the fifth time. They were also voted top producing team in the Million Dollar Club, which not every realtor can be a part of. Now is a great time to list your home, and they're currently offering a free, no obligation market analysis. Give them your address. They'll tell you all about your home, your neighborhood, your zip code, how long houses are sitting on the market, how fast homes are closing. Brian and Terry possess all the analytics when it comes to buying or selling homes in DeSoto County. Give them a call today at 662-449-1700. Call Brian's cell phone, 901-461-7653. That's 461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. You can do a full home search anywhere in the Mid-South at teamcouch.com. Again, that's teamcouch, C-O-U-C-H.com. As you'll hear from our interview uh, here shortly, a lot of different things going on home-wise, neighborhood-wise, with a wonderful new planning director here in the city of Hernando. So a lot of growth coming to Hernando. And if you're moving to Hernando or moving anywhere in DeSoto County, you need to work with the best. And the best here in DeSoto County is Team Couch, a Birch Realty Group. Remember, every home needs a couch. So our podcast listeners, uh, just a a little FYI on how the show is going to go. Chip Johnson is going to be the main part of our show. And what we wanted to do was not have to jump in and interrupt the interview with any ads. So we wanted to go ahead and recognize uh, some of our advertisers before we go into the interview with Mayor Chip Johnson. So Derek, uh, tell me a little bit about the official dentist of the UTW podcast. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, as well as Invisalign. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. Visit their office today to see the difference or give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. 
podcast continues to be brought to you by one of our longtime sponsors, Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and so much more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, spring cleanups, fence repair, gate repair, stump grinding, anything on the outside of your home or office, call Richard. No job too small, no job too large. He'll come out, take a look. If he can't help you, he'll help you find someone he can. Call him today at 662-292-8855. That's 292-8855. Or find more information about Richard and his team on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. Again, that's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Look him up today. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419, again 662-892-8419, or visit them on their website at greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. As Matt mentioned, uh, the meat of our show today will be the interview that we had uh, with Mayor Johnson. should be probably around 40 to 45 minutes long. So please, I hope that you stick around, listen to the whole thing, because I, I promise you a lot of good information in there. Matt's already kind of mentioned several of the topics that he hit. But the main thing is, is also at the end, just please listen for the one big word. There's a big word that he's going to mention at the end. Please stick around for the whole interview and listen for that one big word. I promise you it's going to generate some excitement around the town. And the word is not UTW Podcast. Unfortunately, it is not. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is not. Still, we did enjoy sitting down. We do appreciate and thank the mayor for put, giving us an hour of his time to sit down and talk. And we'll go to that interview now. Excited to welcome in the mayor of Hernando, Mississippi, uh, Chip Johnson. Uh, we, we decided to try and do about uh, three to four of these a year is what, what was our goal. And I know between Derek, myself being busy and you being busy with a lot of different things, uh, this is our first one in a little while. But we wanted to sit down with you, have an opportunity to catch up on maybe some things that have happened so far in 22 and maybe some things coming up in 22. So, uh, Mayor Johnson, glad you're back with us. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to have the, the forum that I can share news with the citizens on. Yeah, and we joked around, you are officially our last guest in our uh, studio here uh, we will be this moving studio, yes. this studio this particular studio uh, big news coming from the UTW podcast when it comes to studios uh, shortly but uh, Derek I'm going to get out of your way and let you begin with the questions for uh, Mayor Johnson who's had a lot going on since our last sit down you know, usually we have the, the, I guess the last two times we've done it, we've had the listeners write questions and then we've kind of read those questions on the air. Not really. I think maybe Matt and I threw one or two questions in at the end, but typically it's been usually uh, kind of listener questions. This time, this is all kind of stuff that's on topic, but Matt and I kind of put together ourselves. So listeners, I apologize that we did not give you the opportunity this time, but when the mayor sits down with us three months from now, we will absolutely give you that opportunity. So kind of get into the topics, you know, the biggest issue, I guess, over the last couple of weeks has been the noise ordinance. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on that? And do you think that there will be issues with it being possibly too low? Well, as you know, we, we passed a noise ordinance months ago. 
and then it came back to the board. They made a tweak or two to the noise ordinance. And uh, in that same meeting, uh, there was a motion made to not look at it again until April, just to let it settle for a while. Right. And we didn't really have a reason to look at it, we thought. So we were kind of not doing anything, just kind of seeing what happened. And then the neighbors started coming to us again saying, hey, this isn't working. It's still going late at night. It's still what we think is over the limit. Uh, the police are getting called very often. And so we had a meeting with the police chief and with the city attorney just to kind of figure out what we might need to do to make the ordinance really work, if that's what we're going to do. And what we came to was we had put a warning in there. And, and it looked like some of the uh, people who might be breaking the law were using the warning too much. So you would think if, if I told you once your music's too loud and you're doing it three or four nights a week that – that's your warning. Right. But the way the law was written is each incident requires a warning. It resets every day. It resets yeah. every time. So we, we we decided, you know, so somebody couldn't game the system, uh, we would take the warning out. And, and so we talked about that because there was a couple of instances where we would go by, our police officers would go by and give the warning because they would put their meter on and say, yeah, it's too loud. It's violating the ordinance. And they would just move inside you could still hear it, but it was a little below the below the threshold. Mm -hmm. And then there were no tickets being given, but almost every time they were playing music, they were violating the ordinance. But the warning would save them from going to court. Right. So we recommended to the board that we just take that warning out of there. Of course, police always have the option to give a warning. They can give you sure. a warning for a speeding ticket or not give you a warning and just give you one. So, you know, if it's a new business or some new place, they would obviously use their discretion and give a warning. But someone who's been warned multiple times, you kind of assume they get it. So we talked about taking that warning out of there and making the times of the indoor and outdoor music the same, just so there's no discussion on that. Because uh, it, it appeared that some of them were going indoors with the music, staying just below the decibel threshold, but playing till late, late at night. And even below that decibel threshold, it was enough to keep people awake. So those were the recommendations we brought to the board. And lots of citizens got up and spoke saying how it just wasn't working. They still weren't able to sleep. One lady had had to move out of her house and uh, lots of lots of citizens being disrupted. So the motion was made to do those two things, but also what surprised me was the motion was made to lower the decibel level to 65. Uh, the board did vote unanimously to do that. They did. So um, that is the new rule. I don't know if that's too low or not. Uh, I think we know that as we go through this, the board has acknowledged that it is a moving target. And as we see problems with the ordinance, they'll, they'll look at it again. So if it becomes that it's too low, they might look at raising it back. I have no idea. So that's kind of where we are on it. And, you know, I've had some people, some musician friends, call me and say, man, this is, this is terrible. And my response to that is that I have always been a live music person. Always. That's, I love it. I, I live for it. And I fought for 12 years to not have a noise ordinance from 05 to 17. I fought against it, said we didn't need it. And it just has turned out that this, this one, one group – have forced the board's hand. You know, when you have 30 or 40 citizens who literally cannot sleep at night, the board had to do something. So that's how we've ended up here. And so, and we, we kind of reached out to uh, Alderman. I want to make sure just to kind of get it on record, you know, from some, somebody from the board uh, that says, you know, that you can kind of, you can't permit out of it, but if it is a city approved function, 
um, you know, such as the crawfish uh, sure. for, for Saturday night. Mm-hmm. That is a city approved. It comes before the board that asks for a street to be closed down or have a party. Kind of let you know what's going on. That those are excluded, but that comes under the city umbrella or public umbrella that that no longer that kind of excludes it outside of the noise ordinance. Correct? That's right, because the noise ordinance is not to try to run anybody out of business. It's not to try to get rid of live music. It's just to try to get rid or limit the constant stuff. You know, when we have a music festival, it's twice a year, three or four right. times a year, and it's over at nine o'clock. So it's not going all night. So those aren't the problems. So the ordinance is written that if it's a city-sponsored event, it's just exempt because the city isn't playing live music three or four nights a week till midnight. Right. It's just not what's happening. So that's, you know, it's not playing by two different sets of rules. It's just saying we're just trying to be reasonable. We don't want to get rid of live music. We just don't want people who are trying to sleep to be kept awake three or four nights a week. That's really what the ordinance is about. So there is a line item in there. And, and, and actually, the police chief can give an exemption. And um, I, he's done that at least once. I know he gave Uncle Bubba's an exemption on January 1st for New, New Year's. Year's Eve, January December 31st, January 1st, and let them play past midnight because it was New Year's Eve, and it made perfect sense. It's not every day. It's a once-a-year thing. Right. So we do try to be reasonable with it. And, you know, like I say, I don't think – I know I did not ever want to have a noise ordinance, and I don't think most of the board members did. But we also have a duty to protect the citizens, and that's that's what we're doing. And it's it's messy work; it's not perfect. But I think the board's trying to do the best they can. Was anything put in there like the first time the board passed it in October, give or take, to reevaluate in six months, nine months, a year, anything, or, or not this particular it, one? It wasn't put in there, but it was discussed in the meeting that right. we knew it was going to be something that needed to be worked on. If gotcha. that was said during the meeting, we, you know, we've never done this before. Sure, we're, we're using other cities' noise ordinances and trying to merge them, just trying to use common sense with it. And, of course, it's not going to be perfect, but as we work through it and get advice from the police officers who are being called out there, you know, we'll, we'll continue to make it the best it can be. Right. So, and real quick, Derek, before you move on to the next question, um, in my marriage I've tried to go with the uh, warning reset. Uh, that has not worked <laughs> every day, <laughs> every day. Uh, okay. it's a warning reset. I was like, Heather, I need a warning for whatever's going on. And, uh, that, that was voted down yeah, unanimously. That, that, that was probably voted down many, many years yeah. ago. Yeah. That was voted down. And she, yeah, this, she said, I'm going to vote that down and we will not talk about this for a decade. So that's, <laughs> so this may be the last time I'm interviewed by Matt. He may not be around anymore after that. Comment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so moving on, uh, the next one we kind of, I guess the other big topic that came out of the last one or two recent meetings is the decision by the city not to opt out uh, for medical marijuana. You know, that's a, a big topic, and of course, it was one of the three entities uh, in DeSoto County. DeSoto County itself, Hernando and Olive Branch, decided not to opt out. How do you see this affecting Hernando, and what opportunities does it bring for Hernando? So I think the first thing to note that uh, that we've all made note of is that the citizens voted overwhelmingly to allow medical marijuana. So knowing that, we know it's what the citizens want. And I do understand some of the other cities um, having some questions about zoning and concerns about their zoning. And, And we had the same concerns. And we took a look at all of our commercial zone properties and kind of drew circles of a thousand feet around churches and daycares and things. There are very few spots in Hernando that you can have a retailer. There just aren't many left. Uh, so we didn't see a problem with the zoning. We think all of our places that are zoned and with the circles that would be drawn around churches and schools and daycares that we're going to be okay. We did form a committee that has already met. Uh, we we advertised it on the front door of City Hall, let people know. Uh, we only had one person attend that wasn't on the committee, but it was the press. Uh, the DeSoto Times came. 
So we want to make sure even committee meetings are public for input if people want to give input. And what has come out of that committee meeting so far, which will need to come back to the full Board of Aldermen and will, I think, the middle of May. I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but we're talking about a $1,000 license fee for them because we feel like we'll have a little more work than an average business to deal with them. Uh, and the law lets us set a reasonable permit fee. And so that's the number we've come up with. Uh, we are also going to ask the board to consider the historic district as being uh, not a zone that we would allow the retailers in, retailers or growers, just not in the historic district. I think, I think we all understand that in Hernando, the court square is, is a special gift to us and we need to protect it. And so we talked about that. So that'll be coming to the board as a recommendation as well. Was there a particular radius uh, square, a few blocks, a hundred certain miles? Oh, there is. Yes. That's the third thing we did. We said within 500 feet of the courthouse, we did the whole historic district as a no-go zone. Right. Plus 500 feet outside of the perimeter of the courthouse. Okay. Yeah. So that really protects the downtown. 74% of Mississippians voted in favor of medical marijuana, uh, voted in favor of going to the next step, moving on, moving forward with dispensaries and those opportunities. So that was important for you guys to say, hey, this is what the state of Mississippi voted. Maybe we don't shut the door. Like South Haven and Horn Lake, again, podcast listeners, remember, you can opt out and opt in at any time. That's correct. You cannot opt in and then get out. So like now that we're in, we're in. We are. We just have to As design. of May 2nd, we right. will be in if we okay. don't take a no vote at a special meeting between now and then, which is not going to happen. Sure. Uh, the board has stated on the record at our last board meeting that we're for it. Uh, we didn't have to take a vote. We're just in. But, but, so we are going to try to make our zoning rules fit. We'll take all the language sure. out of that bill. They have a lot of definitions. We'll insert them yeah. into our zoning laws, you know, and just make it all legal so it works, you know. And, and we were working very closely with our new planning director, Austin Cardosi. Uh, he was very thoughtful about it, and he's kind of guiding us to make sure what we're doing fits into our zoning rules legally so we have a good template to work with moving forward. Right. And remember, listeners, the state of Mississippi legislature set the rules. That's right. They set the rules how close you could be to a church and to a school and those type things. So you guys are just taking that and, and moving forward to do what Hernando is allowed to do. So don't get upset with the mayor or the board of aldermen when it came from the state legislatures that did that. So, I mean, you know, I'm looking forward to the next step to see what that looks like. Uh, I know you guys will put them in the right places for everyone to be happy. So, uh, and, and you know, the thing that was really interesting to me because we assume it's a controversial topic. Uh, we've discussed it in two open board meetings and not had one single person say they didn't want medical marijuana at the meeting. I'm sure there are people in town who don't want it, but it wasn't important enough to anyone to come to the meeting and talk about, which really was startling to me. And of course, I'm in favor of it. It's It's been deemed to be a medicine. It can help people with in, in our state with 22 different things that are on the list. So it, it's medicine. And I'm not even sure why we're regulating medicine. We don't regulate all the other ones, but it, it is what it is. So, And it's been very politicized for a lot of years. But if we can help people with this medicine, and that's what we have to remember, this is not recreational. This is a pharmacy. It's a pharmacy a to get pharmacy, one right. special yep. drug that can help people for a variety of reasons. And we, we need to let that play out. And I, I, I am very um, excited. I, excited is a crazy word to say about medical marijuana. But y'all saw that George Reedy presented on behalf right. of a client sure, of who is looking to locate a pretty major research facility in Hernando. And the idea would be that they would possibly grow small amounts of their own, get it produced, sell it, 
to clients who need the medical marijuana and then keep tabs on those clients and actually do real research about is it working, what works best, what can it work on. And it looks like if we get this done properly, this could be just based in Hernando and be a statewide company that's really making a difference in people's lives. And so us, by not opting out, we're getting the opportunity to get that company in here. And we've already sent design guidelines to George Reedy so he can send it to his customers. So they're, they're going to be designing a build and moving forward pretty quickly. Yeah, I do encourage uh, listeners to go back and watch last Tuesday's Auburn meeting. Uh, he speaks for a good 10 or 15 minutes about that company coming in, the number of jobs, the economic impact for Hernando. So please go on back and watch that uh, again last Tuesday. What was the 19th, I believe? Kind of during that meeting also, another request that you had was to annex a portion of Nesbitt that was part of the Anderson Farm bordering Gitwell. Uh, are there any plans for annexations in the near future? And kind of we talked about this a little bit off air. Do the mayors have a working agreement or some kind of gentleman's agreement with each other as to where borders should be given that South Haven has already publicly come out and said they're looking to annex down to Pleasant Hill Road? So that's very interesting. Uh, when I saw that article about um, Mayor Musselwhite talking about annexing down there, I, I asked him about it. And I said, is this the same lines that Mayor Davis and I had talked about years ago? And he said, well, first of all, I was misquoted. I didn't say we're about to annex anybody. <laughs> well, he, he said he was talking about the comprehensive plan and the comprehensive plan says that's the sure. annexation area. And he told me that they're not really looking to annex anything right now. Okay, good. So that was maybe taken out of context. Uh, but those lines do appear to be what we had talked about with Mayor Davis all those years ago when we annexed up north to Bankston Road. That was kind of a, a, a discussion we had and, and, and some back and forth. And that's kind of what we decided would make the most sense at that time. And we reserved the rest of that for South Haven to come down to at a later date. The only reason they didn't is they didn't have a good way to get a fire truck or emergency personnel there if something happened. So they didn't annex it. Uh, when Sweeney Road comes all the way through and connects to Mackingville, that might be a time they would look at it. That would just be kind of common sense then. The areas over to the east, it's always been kind of thought that Malone Road was the dividing line between Olive Branch and Hernando. I do know there were lots of lawsuits during Olive Branch's last annexation. The city of Hernando spent a lot of money fighting some of the expansion plans. And quite frankly, I'm not sure what the agreement was between Mayor Phillips and Mayor Ferguson. Um, I'm gonna, I think there's a document out there I'm going to try to put my hands on that kind of talks about that. Uh, but I still feel like Malone Road's kind of the, the divider. Um, that's kind of our sewer divider. We've adopted a sewer map with Decrua saying this is where we will provide sewer as the city of Hernando. So it kind of makes sense if you go to a judge and say, I want to annex this land, but some other cities providing sewer service, it probably won't work. So I think the sewer maps are going to be vital to future annexation as well. Um, so back to the request from the Anderson family to annex in. Which, again, they requested to the city. They That's came right. requesting. That's right. That's, and, yeah. and, and just so everybody knows what happened is they, they've come up with a master plan, something like Lee's Summit master plan, a mm -hmm. plan unit development that would have room for a big box store, other retail things, housing. And I think they took it to the county, and the county said, you know, it's right there on the city. It's in their future annexation plans. Why don't you just go get yourself annexed in the city and deal with the city on it? 
And, and that makes sense. So they came to me, and, and so we're not looking at a plan of any sort. They're just saying we want to be in the city limits. Once we get in the city limits, then we'll bring a plan forth in public meetings and let the Planning Commission, the board, approve or disapprove it. So that's where we are on that. I did make it really clear to them that we weren't going to incur any cost on the annexation. Anything they do, they'll be hiring their own attorney. If our attorney puts work in on it, they will pay his bill for those hours. So the citizens aren't paying anything for it. If you look at our map, and this is the long-term thinking, I think I've said this to y'all before, uh, the, the upper part of the city stretches out along I-69 and I-269, and that was done purposefully years ago so that we could capture the future retail nodes. Um, if a city is going to survive with low property taxes, we need all of the commercial buildings, which pay the 15% rate that we can get, and we need all the buildings that will generate sales taxes. That's why we wanted to annex those corridors and those intersections was specifically for things like this that would generate high sales tax and high property taxes for us. So that makes sense that we would annex an area like that. As we look back, you know, sometimes we do things and we think, well, maybe we made a mistake. All the houses that we've annexed in the past have not been a great investment <laughs> if you're looking at it that way. Right. You know, the, any of our houses, my house, I don't pay enough property taxes every year that would mount up to pay for the amount of asphalt that has to be replaced every eight years in front of my house. It just doesn't work. So we've got to have the sales tax dollars. We've got to have the people paying 15% because most of us are doing the, the homestead exemption. So we're not paying 10, even 10%. So we're, we're just not paying a lot as citizens, which is great. Everybody likes it that way, but we've got to not think about annexing houses because really when we do, we're incurring a big liability. If we annex a neighborhood, all the streets in there suddenly become ours. And those are not an asset. They are a liability. Sure. They start deteriorating from the day you put them in. All the sidewalks are ours. Uh, we may have to add another fire station to supply fire protection to these people. So I'm not in favor of just going out and annexing houses. Sometimes you annex a few houses to get to a major retail node just so it squares it up. But in general, I'm not going to be recommending that we do any annexing like that. Yeah, and also those neighborhoods have to be uh, patrolled. That's right. Uh, so, you know, those different expenses. Uh, yeah, I mean, Derek and I have talked numerous times here on the podcast, pretty pro-commerce uh, people. So that doesn't make total sense that no one's going to build their home 150 yards from I-269, but a box store or a commercial venture may go there, and then the city of Fernando benefits from that. So it kind of makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, you know, what has South Haven done over the last 10, 15, 20 years? I mean, they've just very pro-commerce, and I think that's kind of what, in order for us to continue the low property taxes, but good police, good fire, all that kind of stuff, the money's got to come from somewhere, and that makes total sense. We always, as a group, have to stop ourselves and, and remember what our core – position is what our core duty is and that is to help keep our current citizens safe and help make their position better in life not encourage new citizens as much we're here to make sure we build a great community for the people that live here today now as we build that great community others are going to want to move in and that's great we'll open our arms to them but we're going to make sure they move into our community the way and, and we're building it the way we want it to be and people similar to us will probably move in and people that want the same things we want. Sure, same values. Yeah, and so we to do that, we've got to continue to find ways to increase city services to them or, or private services. You know, lots of people would, would like to go to a Target nearer than Horn Lake. 
So we encourage things like that to come. So y'all have more things to do, but it also helps keep your property taxes low. I can't say that enough. You know, if we have these big businesses who are really giving us sales taxes and property taxes, it helps us keep your services at a high level and your property taxes at a middle level. Absolutely. All right. Um, Going a little wider, I guess, I guess funding a little wider than just uh, city taxes. Now that the legislature is over, what is the final amount of money coming to the city from the federal and state governments, you know, kind of a final tally? And what will those main, and I guess most of the money has to be spent on infrastructure, so what will the main infrastructure uses be? So months ago, we talked to Lieutenant Governor Hoseman. And he had told us he was going to be pushing really hard to match the city's money with state money if we spend it on water and sewer. He wanted it to be things that were going to last a long time and not just be frivolous. And we have probably $20 million worth of water and sewer projects we could do and not waste a penny. So that was an easy thing for us to say, yeah, we'll just spend all of our ARPA money on water and sewer because we can double it. We're going to get approximately $4 million. So they have a process in place now at the state. Well, the process in there is coming where we will be able to apply to match our money. It is going to be competitive. They're not just going to hand us $4 million gotcha. like we had thought. That is disappointing. We gave them a list at the first part of the year with six or seven projects on it that were water and sewer just so he would have an idea and he could push. He, he kind of used all of our ideas to tell the, the state Senate to fund these projects because these are the kind of projects we want done. So we sent a list in, one of them at the top of our list really because it's already designed and approved by the state health department is the upgrade of the Jaybird and Lauder Road water plants and connecting the two together. Uh, I think that's around two and a half million is our estimate. So if we can shove that one through their process, we spend a million and a quarter on it and they give us a million and a quarter. And then we can move on to number two on the list, which might, I think, I don't know how we're gonna rank them. The board will have to help us with that. But Dogwood Hollow sewers on there, Green Tea sewers on there, building a new water plant to serve the north part of town along the corridor is on there. We would partner with some of these people like the Anderson's buyers. Uh, they would put some money in. We're not going to pay for the whole water plant, but some of these other developers would help us pay for that. So it's we are going to spend all of our ARPA money on water and sewer. And you, and you mentioned that because the city itself got around $4 million, correct? That's right. So there'd be $4 million. So when you're saying a million and a quarter that you'd have to put up, that's not from, you know, the, the normal budget, this is actually ARPA money that's, that's already right. been set aside that you were given from the federal and, government. And, and, and just so everybody knows, we could spend this ARPA money on just about anything we wanted to. The rules have gotten so lax, but then we would just be spending $4 million. If we can spend it on that's water right. and sewer and turn our $4 million into $8 million, it's just common sense. You know, any, any of that money we spend that's not on water and sewer, we're giving away the match. And I, I just don't think we're in a position to give away any match money. <laughs> no. So I figure we'll we'll spend Spend it all on water and sewer and then use our other funds that we would have spent on water and sewer to do other things we need to do. All right. So outside of the financial constraints of for infrastructure, uh, what are the top one to two issues that you see facing the city at this time? Well, while I was walking up here from City Hall, sometimes it's the last thing that hits you. We have got to do something about that train. <laughs> do, I mean, is there, do we have any kind of ability? The train was there for 20 minutes at yes. least. Yes. We had um, emergency service personnel who could not cross the tracks. We already know that 
we have people who won't go from one side of town to the other at lunch to a certain restaurant because they're afraid the train's going to stop them. They'll be late getting back to work. I mean, it's an economic development issue. It's a, an emergency personnel issue, and it's just a pain in the neck. And so literally I stood out on the corner in front of y'all's building and I'd finally gotten the number to the general manager of the, of Grenada railway. And he said, well, it's been that way for 11 years. We're not changing it. So that's what I keep getting, but I'm, I'm at the point, I'm just not going to stop. I think in the past, I've got some new data, you know, we used to think they were stopping, dropping stuff off at Valvoline or Nateo. Right. Well, they're not, they're using it as a switching yard. Yes. There's a second track there. Oh yeah, just, just that they store trains just on. Just south of Commerce. Yeah, yeah, so they're literally using our intersection as a switching area, as a train yard. Right. Yes. And I have to think that that's not really a hundred percent legal. So I'm going to go to the congressional level and start working on it. Yeah. You know, we we've been trying to be nice, and you know, after the general manager just told me, well, I'll tell them to move on, but it's not going to change. It's not going to stop. Well, that's not a good answer. Uh, you know, if Congress and the president tell us it's a no, then I guess we've gone as far as we can go. But we've got to go to the next level and see if our congressional delegation can help us with this. Maybe we can uh, address the train being loud from a noise ordinance standpoint. That yeah, may be, it, that it, may it, be it, the way to do it. It violates that there every time it hits the horn. Every I'm time. simply saying every time it's, it's well past 65. Because I promise you, I'm sitting in my office at Bancourt South, what, what, an eighth of a mile from the track. I'm sitting in my office. In my office, it's over 65 decibels. That's one I'm um, I'm very interested in that one, and, and we'll hop out here as best we can for sure. Uh, any other issues or another one that comes to mind besides the train? Well, yeah, that, that was – Sure, That's obviously a big issue, but it's not the biggest issue. You know, as we continue to grow, we, we have formed an infrastructure forecasting committee, I want to call it. Uh, we haven't met yet, uh, and we need to do that. We have just been all so busy. Uh, it's, it's hard to schedule a meeting. But we're going to schedule meetings, and they're going to be public, but they're, they're kind of working meetings where we talk about our future needs so we can budget for them. You know, we know at some point we're going to need a new police station. Uh, we're going to need another fire station. And we want to literally put numbers that, next to those and put them on a list and then work with our bond council and look at our debt ratios and all those things and start figuring out – can we actually build these things? And what year can we build them? And they're not just things we want, because as I found out in government, we never build things early. We always wait until it's a crisis, and then we build just to, enough to kill the crisis. But we never build enough to really get us where we need to be. So I think the idea of this committee is to move on, on all levels, you know, major roads that we need to build. You know, do we need a new city hall one day, 10 years down the road? All those things that we're just outgrowing all of our space. And I told the board members that they were going to get sick of me every budget year. They're going to be like, oh, here he comes asking for more people. Well, we just have more work than our people can get done. I agree with and, that. And that's going to just happen. And the reason is every year we add 1,000 residents. You know, and when you add those people, they all need something more. As we grow, the staff has to grow. And I don't want to just grow the staff. I, I'm not that person. You know, I want to keep government as small as we can, but I also need – to give the citizens the services they need. We got to keep the fire rating where it needs to be to keep their insurance rates down and to keep them safe. And we've got to have staff in the planning department so that the builders and developers can get their buildings built in a timely manner, uh, which may need, we may need another inspector. One inspector may not be enough, who knows, but we'll let our new planning director guide us through that. And, and as we know, we're already behind the ball on having our ratio of officers to people exactly where we need it. We took a big step 
uh, in the last budget with authorizing five new officers. We'll probably have to add more in the next budget, which is, it's not easy. You know, when you, when you do one thing, you're not doing something somewhere else because we have a set amount of money. But I think us just planning those overall things is a big deal. We're going to, we're, here's a big one we're working on. Uh, just for instance, um, the last administration worked out a deal with AWG, the Wholesale Grocer Warehouse. And part of our deal was we were going to widen the shoulders and repave Green Tea Road from 51 to Mackingville. And they budgeted that at about a million one. The bids came in at 2.4 million. Well, where do we get the money? We just don't know. But we're on the hook to do it. We have to do it. So we're talking to AWG, asking them if they can wait a couple of years. And it's starting to sound like they might can. So that's a major thing. You know, we spend about $1.3 million this year on paving our own local streets. Yeah. And we're talking about $2.4 million for one road. People, including myself, don't realize until the bids come in what it costs to pave streets. So if you can just picture Mackingville Road from I-69 to Pleasant Hill, it's about a mile, mile and a quarter maybe. That's estimated to cost $2.5 million just to put new paving on top of what's there. And so luckily we worked with the MPO and the 23 to 2023-2026 tip cycle, we have that money in there. So it'll be an 80-20 match. So we'll get most of that money to do that in that three-year cycle. So that's $2.5 million we don't have to come up with locally. But we're going to keep looking for those other ways to fund it because if we can only find $1.3 million a year to pave our streets, there's no way to do the $2 million ones. We've asked you the times that you've sat on with us before. In your first 12 years as mayor, now back in your second opportunity to serve as mayor for Hernando, has dealing with state and federal and finding money here and more money there and all that kind of stuff. Has that become easier, more difficult? Has it increased or like, is it way different than it was uh, 12 years ago when it comes to contacting the state? Uh, is there more money there? I know there's not more money there, but is there um, more ways to grab and find those kind of funds? I think it's a little easier just because over the years I've made contacts and what I'm learning every day is that who you know is important. And you would think it's not that important, but it really is. So the friendships I've made over the years always help. Uh, the staff I have on board always help. You know, Austin Cardosi is very much in tune with how the Metropolitan Planning Organization works in Memphis. So he'll make sure we get our fair share of money from there. Uh, we've become friends with lots of these larger engineering companies. Uh, they have their own lobbyists. And some of their lobbyists are asking in D.C. for projects that would help us. Now, of course, those engineers ask for that because they want to engineer it. They'll make them some money off <laughs> right, of it, sure. you know, but that's the way it works, and that's fine. But those contacts are going to help us over the years find these, find a lot of these extra funds. And we, like, just like we've applied for this, uh, we applied, y'all know we applied for a grant to do um, large pedestrian sidewalks through town. And a lot of people say, why did you apply for that instead of other things? So the first time we applied was right at the end, they applied. I think the application went in right at the end or got approved under the prior administration. And then we turned in the paperwork and we didn't get it. But what we've learned is you don't just stop. So we literally got a phone call with the head of the guy, the head guy who awards these grants. And we talked to him with our engineers on the phone. And he basically said, y'all didn't write your narrative properly. Which it, is amazing. That's a whole other story. Yeah, And he <laughs> basically said, you know, here's the points. Here's the questions we asked. And wow, they weren't yeah. really answered the way we wanted them answered. 
But then he said, if I told, if I thought this was a bad project, I would tell you I'm a blank guy. He said, but this is a good project. So redo it and reapply. So we reapplied for what was an $8 million project. Now it's a $13 million project because costs have gone up, but we have reapplied and for lack of a better word, I'm politicking it. I'm calling all the people that work for the senators and the congressmen and staying in their ear and saying, you know, put bugs where they need to be put with the secretary that needs to give us this money. So we're thinking we should know one way or the other in November. If we get that, you know, that'll be a huge shot in the arm, you know, for, for pedestrian stuff. But at the same time, we can't just work on one big grant. Everybody I talk to in every office, I'm still saying the number one priority in Hernando is fixing the Commerce 55 exit, which is probably 25 or $30 million now. Right, of course. But we talk about it to everybody we see. And I, I do know that sooner or later, they're just going to get sick of it. And somebody's <laughs> going to shove some money this way. Yes. And so that, that's our main priority. Um, I'll probably be um, going to D.C. in the near future. They've kind of opened D.C. back up, make a quick one- or two-night trip up there, have appointments with all of them because – Calling them is one thing, but sure. sitting across from them for 10 minutes in D.C. makes a whole nother impact. And, you know, some people may say, well, it'll cost us some money. Yeah, it'll probably cost, you know, $2,000 to go to D.C. by the time you buy a plane ticket in a hotel. But if we can parlay that into a $30 million exit, it's probably a good gamble. So those are the kind of things that, that we need to be doing. And, and so you had, I guess the answer to your original question, the biggest thing we need to do in Hernando is that exit. Well, Derek doesn't have experience with this, but can we look into improving getting out of Sonic during happy hour? <laughs> Two to four. <laughs> Derek doesn't frequent that, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Two to four, uh, leaving Sonic. Uh, trying to turn left. You're talking about trying to turn, turn left. left. Yeah, yeah trying right. to, if you're going right, that's one thing. But yeah. if you're trying to turn left, uh, it's almost as bad as a train. But uh, we digress. Go ahead, Derek. Uh, you mentioned a couple times the different departments, so let's turn to those departments. Um, you mentioned the planning department a couple times now in Austin's name. So, you know, obviously a lot of changes have happened there in the last 120 days. You've told us a little bit, so tell us more about your thoughts on Austin and what he said, other than what you've already mentioned, his first priorities are. So Austin came from the county, uh, and, and going way back, he was the planner for Horn Lake for four years. Then he was been with DeSoto County for quite a few years as the deputy director of planning. And he has always had a reputation as a very smart yet common sense person. You don't get those things together in one person very often. Um, he's very easy to work with. I'm finding that out. And uh, he and I have some attributes, I think, from just working with him for a week that are very similar. Uh, when, when I see something that needs to be done, I just want it done right now. I want it off the list. I don't want somebody to say, well, I'll start working on that next week. And and there's been a few of the smaller things. I've just sent a message to Austin on, and 30 minutes later he says, okay, I've handled it. It's done. And I love that. And so I'm seeing him do that with our developers. We've got a backlog of permits for new buildings and things in the queue, and he's finding them. He wasn't even sure where they all were, but he is finding them reviewing them as quickly as he can and getting permits out the door. You know, there's some, sometimes, uh, like the other day, we found out there was a plat. You know, when you do a subdivision, they send this fancy piece of paper called a Mylar, and we all have to sign it, and then it has to have a $26 check attached to it and sent to the county and filed with the clerk. Well, we had one sitting there for two weeks, and we were waiting on the $26 check. Well, the way Austin wants this to run is we don't wait on the $26 check. We call them every day and say, bring us your check. Correct. Bring us your check. Bring us your check. We want to get this off the table. 
and the guy didn't really know he was supposed to bring a check. So he was upset that it sat there for two weeks and just processes and, and being overly customer friendly is where we're heading and where we already are in a week. Because so, that cost him more than twenty six dollars for right. two weeks. That's sure the key. Yeah. Twenty six dollars, he'll man, he'll walk it to you. Let's go. That's right. So we're gonna try and well, one little instance. You know, those plat signatures have been taking weeks to get them. There's a lot of people that have to sign it, and it kind of sits there. And they send an email saying everybody come in and sign it. Well, we had to get a plat done the other day, and we needed to do it quickly, and it got done in one day, one day, and that's where we need to be. First of all, it's customer friendly, but also there's a lot to be said for just getting things off of our work list because when they all pile up, y'all know what it does to your head. If you've got a hundred things sitting there, you just can't even think. You almost become immobile. So the more things you can just get through the system and out, I think that's what we need to be doing. And and that's what Austin thinks too. So as as projects come in, we're not just going to wait on them to do the next thing. We're going to be prompting them to do the next thing, if that makes sense. Sure. We've heard from uh, several people, whether it be aldermen or developers or people trying to get things done with the city over the last year or two, they were very excited about Austin. They ne- they knew him from working with the county and were very excited. So, like you said, only six, seven days into his new job, um, I think things are going to be good. I, I, we're excited about it. And look to uh, sit down with him soon, hopefully in the next two months or so, to visit with him, get uh, some information about his past, maybe his time in Horn Lake, and then his thoughts, because he lives in Hernando, his thoughts for the town that he lives in and being a major part part of that for the next uh, decade or so and I think that's important that you do talk to him and get 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 his perspective and not my perspective on his perspective sure exactly but uh, he does have a heart for Hernando this is his town and you know because we're customer friendly that that doesn't mean he's going to let developers come in and walk all over us and not follow our guidelines but the reason the developers like him is that he just says here's the rule and it, you know if you want to apply for a variance do it but let's just get to the meat of it and we're not being mean about it. These are the rules. Maybe you should ask for a variance on this one. Maybe you shouldn't. But he just gets to it quickly, and we move forward in the process instead of everybody him hauling back and forth forever. Efficiency. That's yeah. what we're looking for. Efficiency sure. and common sense. That's what we've been looking for for a while. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> now, moving to one other, I mean, obviously, there's, there's many parts of the city. There's five to seven to eight uh, departments. But the one that uh, other one we want to look at today or speak about today is the park system. Now, since our last time that we've talked, Pennies for the Parks was, we, I think the last time we talked about, we were applying for it, putting a plan together. We're going to talk with the state legislature, or the, or the city was, about hoping to pass this through. Since that time, uh, we know that uh, we did get it uh, passed through the legislature, did approve it for one penny. So now that we have the, the one penny in place, what is, I guess, what should the citizens be looking for coming up over the next, uh, over the summer, uh, leading up to a special election that will happen for that? What are the, the plans the city's putting in place to kind of try to market this and to see this through? So there are a couple of pieces, major pieces, that need to happen first. We need to know for certain whether we are using the Civic Center ball field site as part of our design. So I've spoken to all three of the clubs, two of the clubs I had in person with me. I have since contacted the Lion, yeah, the Lions Club, which is the third club. I think they're going to try to all three get together. Uh, I think they all want the city to have the land. Uh, there will probably be a cost. And, and the three that you're talking about, the Rotary, the Saddle Club, and the Lions Club. That's right, yeah. And so I think they need to come back to us with a proposal of how much money they want, basically, or how they want to get the money, or do some of the clubs want money and some don't. They want to us to have the land. I have come to that conclusion. And I think the citizens want to have that land so we can really do what we need to do legally. 
So as soon as we sort that out, we'll know if that's part of our design as Kimberly Horn is drawing our plans. They have brought their first set of plans to me and the park director. We've looked at them. Uh, the park director, over a period of days, made a lot of minor changes, you know, because he he understands how ball fields should be laid out and tennis courts and things of that nature. So we are going to try to have a public working meeting, much like we did with the budget meetings, where they weren't on the regular board night. They were on another night where that was our only topic, but we still invite the public. So I'm going to try to have one of those in the second week of May. Oh, wow. Okay. Just because we can't wait till the last minute. The right. citizens need to know what they're going to be voting on, and we don't know yet. So we need to get those plans in front of the whole board, have the board hash it out, also using the data we collected in 2019, which is very recent, showing what the citizens wanted the most. So Kimberly Horns used that data to kind of put some things out there for the aldermen to see. As soon as we can get through a few of those working meetings, I want a real board meeting vote on what the ballot is going to say. Could say the on the ballot that we're going to be voting for that one cent to build four baseball fields, a road through the park, a tennis court, and a basketball court. I'm, I'm just making those things up. You know, it could be any anything, but it's going to be specific. This is where the money's going. We think it'll raise between five and hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. We've only got until the end of this term, and we have to vote on it again based on the legislation. Oh, then this alderman's term. Yeah, all, all the board. Term. We'll have another referendum vote in 2025. So let's just say we voted in, we're really only getting about two years of revenue, which might be $1.3 million. We're not going to get $5 million or $7 million. But I think the board's going to have to make a decision. Do we want to jump all the way in and say, we're going to be building $5 million worth of stuff. We'll hope it gets funded with this first set for that time, and then we'll vote it back in. If people don't vote it back in, <laughs> sure. then we'll just be paying for it with sales tax dollars and cutting other places. But I think it's important that if the citizens vote yes, they know exactly what they're voting for, where we're heading. We get it on the ground and built for them to see. So at the next vote, they can decide, yeah, this was pretty good. Let's do more of this. Or they can say they didn't like it. It's not worth it. You know, it's all up to the citizens. But I think it is worth it. Um, I worked with the entire board. I think it's, it's pretty telling that our board voted unanimously to put this out to the citizens for a vote. Not one person voted no or abstained. It was a unanimous vote. So we've heard the citizens say they want better parks. That whole board, along with me, have, have, have understood that there's no other way for us to get the money. We're not going to cut the police budget or cut the fire budget. There's no other way to get the money. Even if we did cut those budgets, there wouldn't be enough. It's just a big number. I think that'll be the next step is this first public meeting we'll try to hold in the second week of May to really get started on the process. And then we'll have a lot of voices in it and we'll just see where that goes. Do you have an idea right now on, on when potentially or in a time frame of when that vote could happen? Yes. The way the bill was passed, it says it must happen in November. And I think they were trying to make it happen with the congressional elections which can't work. And the first thing that happened is our election commissioner came running over to our city clerk and said, you know it can't happen on the same day. Because the people outside of the city that vote and that's in right. the polling places. Yeah, it's different polling places. You know, you would end up having to vote twice and probably at two different places on the same day. Sure, yeah. It just would not work. So I'm going to propose to the board, I may surprise them by saying this, but it says November. I want to get it done early. I want it to be the first Tuesday in November. That's what I'm going to ask the board to do. Has to be in November. That's Has to be saying. in November, okay. though. It didn't say exactly which date. So, And that's a Tuesday, the first yeah, sure. Tuesday in November. 
And I think it's November one, actually. Okay. Yeah, because then the the and those are all that same way. But the first Tuesday is the federal. Also, the federal elections, the federal elections actually the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. That's right. a, that's how the way it's written. So if the Tuesday is the first, there's no Monday before that. Therefore, the city could be on the first, and the the federal one will be on the eighth. That's, that's right. how that would work. So you know, just the sooner the better. The citizens have asked for it. We need to get a plan in front of them. Um, show what's going to be on the ballot and let them vote and encourage as many people to come vote as possible. That's, that's always how you get the best result is the, if everybody speaks, we, the more that speak, the more we know that we've got a good election. It'll little, it's literally the only thing on the ballot period. Yeah, that's that's what you're coming It'll out for. Be that it. one thing. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, and Matt and I, I mean, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm for it. Uh, I've been for it for a while. Uh, I think Matt also, you know, would like to see, you know, parks here and, and a way to fund that we you need know, to like, tease that Derek that's we we're trying to get seven to months that. of ratings well again on we, one, we're not we're, we're going to come out with that we'll come out with that when their plan when their plan comes out we'll come out with our feelings I'm, I'm going to withhold my opinion on okay, it for the next six months there you go. Halloween Halloween show is <laughs> and, and I do want to make sure there's you know there's there's been some comments from some people saying that well why are we only taxing one group so we're already taxing hotels and motels we have a special tax there that we never want to touch uh, people from out of town are paying that tax almost exclusively. And we are one of just a handful of cities in the whole state that do not have a sunset clause on that. If we touch that hotel tax, it suddenly becomes one we've got to mess with all the time. I think the citizens are fine with that hotel tax being there for tourism purposes, and we're just not going to mess with it. And we don't have a lot of hotels, so it doesn't generate a whole lot of money to start with. So they're getting taxed already. We don't have other avenues. They won't let us just decide who we tax. Restaurants and prepared foods are about all we have the opportunity to do. And I think most of the citizens are okay with spending an extra penny on every dollar. I think the reality is almost nobody's going to notice it. Uh, I do remember, and I've said this before, during the last time we did this, people were saying, well, they'll just all go to South Haven and Horn Lake and spend their money up there. Well, by saying that, you know that you, you're saying you don't notice it because they already have that tax. Yeah, and, and Olive Branch is about to have it, probably. Yeah. And Senatobia already has it. So unless you're going to travel to Memphis to, to, save pay, to, to save a penny, you know, again, it's 50 cents on $50. You, you and your family eat a $50 meal, it's 50 cents. And, and you know, I, I'm a conservative. I am not a tax and spend guy. But I always go back to the speech I give to first graders. You know, a bad tax is if I take your mom and dad's money and I buy a new Cadillac with it or do something just frivolous. Or That's you do a, nothing with it. Do nothing. That's a bad tax. But when your mom and dad want to do something they can't afford to do, they band together with all the other moms and dads, and they all give me a little bit of money, and I build what they want built. That's a good tax. If I'm doing what the citizens want with their money, that's a good reason to tax. And I think enough of the citizens have told us they want to spend a tiny bit of their money to have better recreational facilities. So I think that's we're doing what the citizens are asking us to do, letting them vote on it. And I have a feeling they're going to vote yes on it. And we will end up with a park system that is the quality that our citizens and our kids and seniors specifically will be able to enjoy. Mayor, I think it's a lot more fun to – keep our parks average travel up to South Haven and gripe about it on Facebook. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. I'm sorry to keep being the joke of the thing, but that's a, it's way more fun to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm not for the pennies for the park. I'd rather go and eat at slim chickens and pay their 
tax. I'd rather go play travel ball at Snowden and uh, gripe about it on Hernando Happens. Or, 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 drive, or drive toward Jackson and look to your right and say, how come we can't have parks like that? If I've heard one person say that, I've heard them say it a thousand times. <laughs> Sanatobia has better parks than us. Okay, well, Sanatobia yep. uh, addressed that 10 years ago. And they passed a tax. We digress. Yep. Yes. Again, I'm going to tease my uh, how I feel about it. And I'll add one months. more to that. Since you mentioned Sanatobia, we're trying to do every piece of this as on point as we can. So we heard the Sanatobia thing a lot. So we hired one of our own citizens who works for a company called Kimberly Horn who built the Sanatobia ball fields. They know how to do it. The gentleman, Mr. Miner, who is their local engineer, is passionate. He has kids in our ball programs and parks programs. So we have one of our own proposing it and working with us. I don't think we could do any better than that. No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so we've talked a lot about the you know projects hope that we hope to come, other the departments that we looked at. Uh, hopefully, a lot of infrastructure is going to be coming uh, as we start to wrap up. You know, you mentioned you kind of made a joke that uh, you know at two sixty nine, you know, we'd love to have a Target there, so you don't have to drive you know to to Isle Branch or to Horn Lake going to Target. You know, so kind of is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners about potential projects that may be on the horizon or things that you, maybe some rumblings about? You know, you don't have to give us specific names if you don't want to, but just maybe some projects, areas of the city to start looking for to, you know, big developments coming other than obviously the Anderson Farm. Anything like that that you see, not necessarily maybe on this upcoming uh, board meeting, but maybe something over the summer we may start hearing or toward the fall. Before our next meeting. I mean, before, before, before our, our next, next interview, interview maybe. Meeting, that's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. I do know that uh, Starbucks has been coming for a long time, right? So we actually issued building permits for Starbucks this week. Any day they could pull up with tractors and start building the building. Right next to Wendy's. Right next to Wendy's. On the, you drive in that new driveway, you'll enter Wendy's on the right, Starbucks on the left. Great for traffic. Yes. Awesome. Well, are they taking? Are they keeping <laughs> the uh, ingress, egress uh, of Wendy's on commerce where it is? Or are they going to replace that? No, Wendy's ingress, egress stays the same. Starbucks does not get okay, their gotcha. own ingress onto commerce. You'll have to go up into that new road to get into it. So hopefully that'll keep some of the traffic off of commerce. If they stack up in line, right. they'll be up in there. Is that so, is that owned by Carlisle Corporation as well? The Starbucks? Do, or? Uh, they sold that land. Okay, they sold that land. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. And I know a lot of people have been, um, and understandably so, worried about the look of the BP station they're at McCracken and Commerce by the interstate. It's, and, and, and that's a, a long story, but you know we, we looked at it, and it looked that way, and we said, what in the world are they doing? And so we went to them and asked them, they said, well, we're going to fix this building. And we said, well, where are your architectural plans? What are you doing? Well, they didn't have any. They literally were just going to start piecemealing that thing back together. So we, we had to stop them and say, go hire an architect. And, and so they did. They hired AERC. Um, who have drawn up a nice renovation that meets our design guidelines. And we approved that about a month ago. We got it through as quickly as we could. So the plans are approved, and I'm hearing that the contractor um, has been hired. So we should see that station coming up to our, our Hernando standards in the very near future. So those two things are pretty big. Um, I'm just going to say one word, and then we'll keep moving, but the word is Whataburger. So y'all keep your eyes open for that in the very near okay. future in All right, public there meetings. You go. Okay, that's okay. a good tease right there. I like that. I like We're going to mix that in with my uh, vote for Pennies with the Park tease right there. <laughs> how I feel about it. Well, that's definitely one way to uh, to end that. I mean, that's um, very interesting. So we'll just leave it. Look forward to our next interview uh, coming up with Mayor Johnson. We really appreciate you coming in, spending some time with us. Uh, you know, being our last studio guest here at the studio as we make at a, this studio at this studio as we make a huge move coming up. And, and again, you'll learn more about that coming up in the next week. But um, 
Well, Mayor, as we sign off, anything else that you'd like to maybe mention or, or, or discuss or just say to the citizens of Fernando or the uh, you know thousands that listen to the UTW podcast? Well, I, I want to um, just reiterate that the board and I are working very, very hard to be as transparent and open with the public as possible. And this is a great way, a piece of that puzzle. Um, just people having general information goes a long way. And having this forum available to me and the board members and our staff to come and talk to the citizens directly is great. Well, we do appreciate that. And uh, we love doing it. We enjoy doing it. And uh, we, you know, we're glad that we can help in some way. Just be able to get, you know, stay off Facebook, please. Um, I know Hernando Happenings is an extremely good site and we love the people that run it. But, you know, if you, Instead of just going on there and finding your news, actually reach out to you can reach out to us, you can educate. reach out to the mayor and educate yourself outside of people's opinions. Uh, we do appreciate that we and we do are we know that we're blessed to be able to do this and uh, give back to the city. So thank you for that. And I think addressing the train is about a ninety-eight percent approval rating. Oh no, no, we're gonna gotta, like, just put hey, that's right headline. That's the, the headline only two people podcast. that are not happy about that work for the train station. So that's <laughs> that's that's, exactly that's right. the thing. Well, Mayor, we appreciate you coming on and giving us some time. We look forward to visiting with you in the next few months. Uh, enjoy your uh, end of spring and summer. Till next time. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Definitely want to say thank you to the mayor for giving us an hour of his time. We really appreciate him working and trusting the UTW podcast to uh, get his message out every uh, few months when it comes to city business. We definitely really appreciate that, Derek. And as you mentioned earlier, teased earlier, what a big word at the end. Quite a big word at the nah, end. That's, that's really exciting. It's uh, very interesting. Um, look forward to where that leads, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. But, Derek, I can assure you the uh, big word that he mentioned, uh, if they were to be here in Hernando, Mississippi, they're going to be looking for some insurance. And if you're looking for insurance for your home or business or car or auto or property, anything like that, please reach out to our newest advertiser, Holland Insurance. Holland Insurance was founded in 1981 and has been staffed with local industry experts who are eager to make a difference in every life they touch, whether it's home, auto, life, property, casualty. Holland Insurance works with some of the largest insurance companies in the world to represent them in DeSoto County. Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, Delta Dental, Mutual of Omaha, Nationwide, State Auto, Progressive. Dozens of large insurance companies trust Holland Insurance to be their provider locally. Give them a call at 662-895-5528. That's 662-895-5528. Vice President Bruce Robinson and President Jerry Holland are ready to serve the residents of DeSoto County with any of their insurance needs. If you possess an insurance license in the state of Mississippi and would potentially want to make a move to one of the largest, fastest growing insurance companies in the Mid-South, call Bruce or Jerry today, 662-895-5528. Thanks again, Holland Insurance. On Sunday, May 22nd, North Point Christian School will have its next preview of the point for lower school grades, senior kindergarten through sixth grade. The event will be at 2 p.m., and will give prospective families an opportunity to tour the school and meet with administration to see if North Point Christian is the right fit for your family. Grades are quickly filling up with upper school and preschool grades having wait lists, so they encourage you to register for this event quickly by calling Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. North Point Christian is excited that so many families are looking to Christian education. They have had an influx of new students over the last two years and continue to see excitement for the 2022-2023 school year. Don't delay. Call and register today. Well, Derek, one of the things I forgot to mention to uh, Mayor Chip Johnson, I figured it'd be uh, kind of low-hanging fruit, no pun intended, for him to uh, talk about this. I'm speaking about our seasonal advertiser, the Hernando Farmer's Market. It's a place to shop. 
It's a place to gather, but more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the rich simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It's truly a fresh local experience. As you hear this show on a Friday, tomorrow we'll be kicking off the Hernando Farmers Market for the 2022 season. They'll be kicking off from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Over 40 vendors will be located on the historic Hernando Square for the Hernando Farmers Market. Brown Dairy Farms, Precision Sharp, Abney's Handmade Crafts, Jones Orchard, Big Acres Farm, numerous, numerous vendors come out to the Hernando Farmers Market, one of the best farmers market in the Mid-South, if not the state of Mississippi. The Hernando Farmers Market will run from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. this coming Saturday through October, and then a special Christmas Farmers Market on November 12th with the Dickens of a Christmas. Please get out this weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather coming up for the Hernando Farmers Market. So glad to have them back as an advertiser with the UTW Podcast. Get out and support the Hernando Farmers Market. Derek, you'll notice right there, uh, one advertiser was left out. We have a big announcement coming up in the month of May about that last advertiser. So we're going to give them a break, but you're going to hear a lot about them coming up shortly on our next shows coming up in the next several weeks and months. Well, Derek, before we turn our attention to our high school sports, which we love to shine a light on young people at the end of our shows, tell me about some DeSoto County shout outs happening in the next week or two when it comes to nonprofits right here in Hernando. Well, the first one is the first Friday back porch party. It's back. It's back. It is back. The back porch party is back next Friday, May 6th. So the first Friday in May, uh, 7 to 9 p.m., starting with Mississippi Greystone will be the uh, act for that night. Mississippi Greystone will be playing out on the back porch uh, of the uh, Arts Council. If you're a member, please come. You get a couple tickets for a couple of drinks of your choice. I will not be bartending next uh, next week, Matt, but I will be planning on attending some in the future. Next week I do have a conflict, but in the future I'll plan on being there but does not mean that everybody else listening cannot be there mississippi graystone they'll be playing beatles and stones covers that is what they do but beatles and, and the rolling stone covers so become looking for that uh, gonna be a great night let's just you know if they get a night like you know tonight or sure. today man absolutely gorgeous but again uh if you're a member you do get a couple tickets if you're not a member you can join uh, i think it's fifty dollars a year uh, but if you don't even if you don't want to join i think the drinks are like five dollars you can go there have any you know they'll have libations different kind of libations sit and enjoy the beautiful take a walk through the gift shop maybe purchase some gifts uh, from the local artist. Again, just a great thing that they do. Starting May through October, every first Friday, uh, there will be something going on at the Arts Council. So really looking forward to that. I'm going to recommend an acoustic set for the uh, noise ordinance, which we did discuss. Ooh, is, I'm going to go with an acoustic set on those uh, <laughs> those Stones and Beatles covers. Glad to have them back. First Friday, back porch party of the DeSoto Arts Council. The next one's not necessarily, Derek, a uh, nonprofit, but we just want to give a quick public service announcement. Men, Pay attention to what I'm about to say. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. It is early, and we'll have more to talk about Mother's Day coming up next week. And then finally, Matt, uh, May 21st. May 21st is the A-Fair Hernando. Probably the, I guess now it will be the, the largest event, uh, largest day event sure. in Hernando for the for the uh, year. It's, it's almost it's right at the same size as Double Decker. <laughs> The city of Hernando would love to have one day on the Double Decker. Uh, so, yeah, but no, again, the A-Fair, they start with a race that morning uh, leading into, I think the square should open around 9 o'clock. I think the race is really early. at 7 a.m. race, 9 a.m. opening for the A-Fair. Uh, it should last to 4 or 5 the, the 
you know, that afternoon, Matt, I think last year, they GS said around 10,000 people oh, uh, came to the square. Than, yeah. uh, and again, this now we were in the first round outside of, I guess the sure. first time we came back outside of COVID last year, everybody was really excited. If we get the Chamber of Commerce weather, I do expect another five to 10,000 people on the square that day. So about three and a half weeks away, Matt, from April. Unbelievable how, fa- how fast the year flies. Really looking forward to it. So again, go ahead and put it on your calendars. May 21st, always the third Saturday in May, will be the A-Fair uh, that put on by the Optimist Club. And again, if you have a nonprofit here in the city of Hernando, here under the water tower, and would like for us to maybe mention that or help you grow your event or help you uh, advertise your a bit, under the water tower info at gmail.com. That's under the water tower info at gmail.com. Uh, we go through those and try and help out nonprofits uh, grow their events. So definitely send us some information. Wonderful stuff coming up in May. The A Fair is a massive part of Hernando. Really, really look forward to that. And Derek, part of the A Fair is, uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, a lot of young people walking around, a lot of high school kids kind of enjoying the sun walking around uh you know the city of fernando square and young people is how we finish our show each and every week tell us about some sports coming up it's playoff time in hernando as you're listening to this show hopefully on a friday morning you better be planning to come out and support the lady tigers and tigers when it, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit north point soccer and softball coming up all right, so North Point Soccer, and North Point had a tough district game Tuesday night for senior night against ECS. Let's just say ECS is not a team that you want to play for senior night. The Trojans were forced into this because they had two cancellations before this, or forfeit in a cancellation uh, when they were supposed to have other senior nights. So this, this became senior night. And now ECS has two state championships in the last four years, but the Trojans had held them close in the first half, only down 1-0 at halftime. Unfortunately, the Trojans could not get any offense generated with only three shots on goal in the second half, and ECS got one more goal. The final was 2-0. The Trojans are now 5-5, 3-3 five five, three three in district, and play Harding Friday night in the final district and regular season game. North Point, after they should win Friday night, will be the fourth seed and will host the five seed from the other region on Tuesday night next week in the playoff play-in game. Now, there will be more discussion on how the playoffs work on our podcast next week. Turning to North Point softball. The Lady Trojans had a district game against FACS and came away with an easy 21-6 victory. Katie Bobo got the win for the Trojans. Megan McElhaney was 2-for-3 with 4 RBIs, and Libby Sowell added 3 RBIs. The Lady Trojans are now 8-4, 6-0 in district, and have clinched the district championship. They host MHEA tonight for senior night, and that is definitely a team that you want to play for senior night. And we will have their playoff schedule starting next week once it is known who they will play. I believe MHEA would be the Memphis Home Education Educated Association, <laughs> right? I mean, it's homeschools. Yeah, it is. Yeah, not not that, your that best be, athletes uh, in the no, homeschool no, ranks. No, yes, it, it is the Tim Tebow team. is the best homeschooled is, athlete of all time. That is correct. He was. Uh, North Point baseball. North Point had their final district two game series on Monday and Tuesday against Lausanne. In game one, the Trojans' bats were on fire against Lausanne's ace, jumping out to a quick lead and never looking back in the seventeen to five win. Hudson Brown was four for four with six RBIs. Connor McNatt was three for four with five RBIs. And James Smith was two for three. And Rob Hayes went two for four. In game two the next night, James Smith throws a one-hitter and an 11-1 win over the Lynx, which clinches the district championship for the Trojans. Both girls and boys are district champs in District 2 2A in Tennessee. Baseball team is now 18-7, 8-2 in district. And their next game is against Bartlett, Thursday night, tonight, at 7.15 p.m. 
All right, now turning to the uh, the public schools. Now, these are a little different because nobody played this week. Everybody's resting up, getting ready for the playoffs. And the Lewisburg boys are done. The Lewisburg boys are done. So, Lewisburg or Hernando softball. Lewisburg or Hernando will face each other starting tomorrow night, Friday night, as Matt mentioned, in Hernando at 6 p.m. for game one of the three-game series to determine who will go to the North State Finals. Lewisburg is 21-6-1 and and now ranked number seven in the state. And Hernando is 22-6, and so very similar uh, records, and is ranked number three in the state. So a great top ten matchup right here under the water tower tomorrow night, Friday night. Please get out if you are a fan of either school or just a fan of softball for the games Friday and then Saturday in Lewisburg. Game three would be in Hernando on Monday if necessary. Hernando did run rule two weeks ago, Lewisburg on their home field. Let's see what happens on, on this one, but uh, they have played a lot of history between these two teams. Uh, should be a heck of a series for sure. Looking forward to it. And now turning finally to Hernando baseball. After that game is over, speaking of the softball game, after that game is over, walk across the street to watch your Hernando Tiger baseball team take on Germantown High School in the second round of the baseball playoffs. Game one will start at 7 p.m. Friday night. Game two will be Saturday at 7 p.m. in Madison. And then game three, if necessary, will be back in Hernando 7 p.m. on Monday. Good luck to the Tigers, and here is hoping for two Tiger teams in the North Half Finals. Let's get out. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. Get out. uh, Support these young people. They wear Hernando across their chest. I'll continue to say it each and every time we have an opportunity to. Get out. Support these young people. They're fighting hard for their seasons to continue, and uh, let's get out and support them. I know uh, Derek and I will definitely try and get out and support as well. So good luck to the Lady Tigers. Good luck to the Tigers uh, this coming weekend. Well, look, if you enjoy our show, enjoy our interviews that we might do with with the mayor or local aldermen or different people like that, and certainly enjoy our time praising the young people for what they're doing each and every day. Find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. Again, that's Twitter at UTW Pod. If you enjoy our show, wherever you hear our voice, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, give us a five-star review. Give us a thumbs up. It helps us move up when it comes to local podcast. If you enjoy our show, you'll certainly enjoy OB Pod. Releases a show early Monday mornings, a once-a-week show, OB Pod, covering the eastern side of DeSoto County, Center Hill, Lewisburg, and Olive Branch Athletics as well. OB Pod. Look them up today. Thank you again, Mr. Mayor, for coming in and visiting with us earlier, giving us about an hour of your time, a lot of good information about the city when it comes to uh, growth, when it comes to infrastructure, and comes to different things. Again, huge tease on the part of Chip Johnson earlier, so we definitely appreciate him coming in. On our Friday show, I want to continue to encourage everyone, attend a local church this weekend. Service times are available on most Facebook pages, most church websites. They're going to tell you when they're meeting. Definitely want to encourage families to attend church this coming Sunday. Sunday. Well, Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. This is where we dropped off a pretty little